We're going to get started, and we've been talking about made for love. We concluded today, made for love. Did you know you were made for love? God, God created you to experience an awesome connection with him. He made you and gave you the opportunity to love him. Now, whether you choose to love him or not, you still get the benefit of living in his love. Do you know if God was not love, then we would have no capacity for love. But because God is love and because God is good, then he gives us the opportunity to feel his love, to experience love, and to enter into love. And and today I want to talk to you about the importance of marriage. How many of you know marriage is important? The Bible says in the book of Hosea that God's people perish because of a lack of what? Knowledge. So it's important for us to understand why marriage is important. Because if not, then our marriages will perish. What do we mean by marriage is perishing? We mean that if we don't understand that God makes a big deal of marriage, then we won't make a big deal of marriage. If we, if we think it's not a big deal, you know what, it's something that man created, then we're going we're gonna to end up changing the rules of marriage. We're going to end up changing the definition of marriage. We'll begin to take it less seriously, even as society has. And do you know that has a great impact on our world? You'll see it. And I think many of us have not entered into all that marriage has for us and all that God has for us through marriage because we haven't understood how important it truly is. Number one, God created marriage or instituted marriage for the connection. Connection. What do we mean by connection? For the connection between a husband and a wife. Connection, or you might say companionship. Companionship is so important. You know, you'll have many companionships, you'll have many friendships, you'll have many close relationships, but none will compare to the closeness that you can have between your spouse and you. There's nothing like the companionship and the connection that a husband and wife should have here in this world, in this life. God made your spouse for you to, to, to walk with you through the, through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, and to share some of the best things that this life has to offer. To share them with your, with your spouse. And so that connection is very, very important. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, if you read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, that God's plan was that men and women should not be alone. They shouldn't be alone because they need each other, the Bible says. Do you know you need your spouse? Turn to your spouse and say, baby, I need you. Come on now, don't be shy. Say, I need you. I need you something terrible. I need you. Do you realize that unless you have the gift of singleness, you need a spouse? You say, well, pastor, then, then how do I find a spouse? You pray for one. You pray for one and you get yourself ready for one. I've been talking to my singles this whole time. You say, well, pastor, what if, what if I'm not ready? Then, then it's up to you to get ready. Well, how long will that take? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The children of Israel could have been to the promised land within two weeks, but they chose 40 years. They went round and round that mountain. So you go, man, I want the two-week plan. The two-week plan is to say, Lord, you're in charge. Give me what I need instead of what I greed. Uh Uh-oh. 
See, there's a difference between what we think we want and what we need. Amen? And so this is, this is important because God wants you, and you say, but pastor, you mentioned something, the gift of singleness. What's the gift of singleness? The gift of singleness is something that Paul talks about in the New Testament, says that some of us have the gift to be single because we marry the cause of Christ. You say, how do I know if I have that gift? I've never gotten married. Do you desire to get married? Do you have a longing in your heart to be married? Then you don't have the gift of singleness. The gift of singleness is you're totally satisfied being married to the cause of Christ and you don't even think about marriage. It doesn't even come up to you because you are satisfied. God never put that need in you. He's given you a different grace. And so it's important for us to realize, listen to what the Bible says. In the book of of Mark, this is Jesus talking, addressing this idea of marriage. God made us for each other. Isn't that true? God made us for each other. Now watch this. But But it certainly isn't God's way. For from the very first, he made man and woman to be joined together permanently in marriage. He made them for one another. As a matter of fact, if you go back to that original story in the garden, who was made first? Quickly, who was made first? Adam was made first. How much, how much, long, how much longer, how, how much did it take for Eve to come along? I don't know how long it was, but I do know this. It was long enough for Adam to understand he needed someone. Listen, some of us haven't understood we need someone. And until we understand that, you're never going to have a great marriage. Because a great marriage starts with understanding, I need connection. I need someone. Amen? Some of us have been hurt, and because we've been hurt, we've been, we've been trained or we've trained ourselves to feel, I'll never need someone again. That's the wrong attitude. You're operating out of hurt instead of out of faith. We've talked about operating out of faith, amen? And so I won't re-preach that message, but you can go back and listen to the first message we preached operating in faith, understanding that we need each other. So he made them to be joined together permanently in marriage. Therefore, a man is to leave his father and his mother and to be united to his wife. They are no longer two, but they are one. They are one. So no mama's boys allowed. Can I say that again? No mama's boys allowed. We need to be able to leave the home. We've got to be able to leave and cleave the two fundamental laws of marriage, to leave and to cleave, to, put, to, to let go of the past and put your spouse as the top priority. But let's keep going on this. Verse 9, and no man may separate what God has joined together. Did you know your marriage is blessed by the hand of God? And if God has blessed something, no man can curse it. This goes back to the Old Testament when Balaam was trying to curse the children of Israel. Do you know the only way that that the children of Israel could be cursed was to themselves pull themselves out from the covering of God and walk in sin? So the only way that you could have your marriage be cursed by the enemy is for you willingly to leave God's protection and say, Lord, I know you want this for me, but I don't want it. I'm going to go do my own thing. But as long as you stay under the protection of God, you have a 100% opportunity for a great marriage, for a blessed marriage, a protected marriage. Because what God has blessed, no man can curse. No one. So you say, okay, this is what Jesus said about marriage. I want you to understand three simple things about this connection. One, it's God's plan. 
Two, it's between a man and a woman. I need you to make special note of that. Between a man and a woman. And you're going to see over and over that this is God's definition. So we don't get to redefine marriage. You got to go back to God and say, God, can you give us a new definition? What do you think he's going to say? The old one works just fine. It works if you work it. Amen? And then C, it's meant to be permanent. But pastor, so few marriages are permanent. So few marriages are made to last. So few marriages go the distance. Well, you're talking about the real instead of the ideal. In God's ideal world, it's meant to last. You say, yeah, but we don't live in the ideal. We live in the real. Well, stay with me on this. Number two, it was made for multiplication. It was made for us to multiply the human race. Not only was it made to multiply, it was also made, instead of for just multiplication, for satisfaction. It was also made for satisfaction. Guys, can I hear an amen? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, says the book of Genesis chapter 1. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Do you realize this is the first command given to couples? Can I have another amen? It's commanded that y'all have sex. It's commanded by God. It's not your husband's idea. It's not your wife's idea. It's God's idea. Why? Because he wanted to see his family grow. See, at the end of the day, the reason we're here on earth is because God desires a relationship with us. Come on, how many of us have ever heard that God desires a relationship, but then we forget to bring it to the garden and say that God doesn't just desire a relationship with you. He desires a relationship with a great family, and he's building a great family, and he's using us to do it. And so when we come together and we have this amazing thing called sex, it was God's idea. He's the one who created it. That's why it feels so awesome, because God is an awesome God. Now the enemy has taken it and he's tried to pervert it and he's tried to enslave and he's tried to make it lustful and he's tried to do all sorts of things with it. But can I say that was God's thing? It was, it was made for, the, for a husband and his wife and it was made for marriage in order for them to multiply heaven. To multiply heaven. You know, if we're here to multiply heaven, then you've got to make sure your children get to heaven. Uh-oh, can I say that again? you got to make sure your children get to heaven. Because you can have children, and what if they don't get to heaven? Your, your children are your first disciples. Which brings us to number... Some of you are going, man, he's going fast. Which brings us to protection. Do you know that marriage was instituted by the hand of God? One of the reasons it's important is because it was made to protect you. Did you know that, that a husband and wife in holy matrimony, watch this, don't have to fear any kind of disease, any kind of consequence of promiscuity, or any of those things. Come on, how many people are out there worrying about this disease, or this venereal disease, or this or that? How do you, do you realize that if you are completely committed to one another, you have no need to even think about it? I have no need to even think about it. Pastor Melissa and I are completely devoted to each other. We've been together for years and years and years. We never even think about any of those things happening out there in the world. Why? Because God made this perfect thing for us to enter into. 
and to be protected. Number two, to protect our children. Well, that's obvious. When a child goes, it comes into the, room, into the world, he is completely, he or she is completely vulnerable and they need their parents. Do you know that a child needs both the influence of a mother and a father to grow up well-balanced and healthy emotionally, physically, and spiritually? Let me just share some things. Children that are not, listen to me, that are not raised in a family where there is both husband and wife, mother and father, are more likely to fail out of school, are less likely to graduate from college, are more likely to experience alcohol abuse and substance abuse, are more likely, listen to me, to experience depression and emotional uh, challenges. Let's keep going. Are more likely to experience trouble with the law and find themselves in jail. Now, let me ask you this. Did God know what he was doing when he brought a husband and a wife together, a mother and a father, and said there's better protection in the home for the children? This is just to name a few. I could go on and on. Are more likely to experience poverty? Are more likely to experience divorce? Are more likely to experience abuse in the home? Are more like Come on, I can keep going with this because God intended marriage to be a protection not only for the husband and the wife, but for the children. Can I hear hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Listen to it. Yes, come on, let's give God some glory on that. See, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 26, it says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Meaning when you do things the way God orders them to fear the Lord means you take him seriously. And if he takes marriage seriously, you take marriage seriously. And because you take it seriously, there's confidence. There's confidence. Why? There's confidence that there is a safe refuge, not only for you, but for your children. And that God will use that marriage to bless your children. What an awesome, awesome confidence. Number four, Perfection. You know what? I didn't even cover. I didn't even cover the protection for for women and men, and men, or the blessing that it is. Did you know women who are in a healthy marriage have lower risk of depression, have a higher net worth, lower risk of crime or being uh, victims of a crime, have uh, better mortality, and generally have a much healthier life. The same goes for men. Men that are in a committed relationship have the highest mortality rate of any other group of men, earn more, have a higher net worth, are healthier and emotionally more stable because their children are well taken care of. Come on, can I hear an amen? Number four, perfection. Perfection. God made marriage to help you. Now you might say, but but marriage... Marriage is designed to make me better. Absolutely, it's designed to make you better. But, but let's go back to the garden for a second. When God created marriage and Adam and Eve were in the garden together, what was going on? There was perfection, right? There was no sin. There was a complete love. Did you know marriage was made so that you could experience not only a gladness, not only a joy, not only a supreme blessing, but also happiness. So what are you talking about, Willis? What, happiness? I hadn't experienced happiness in a while. Well, hey, hold on there. 
Hold on, let me help you. I'm trying to help you if you let me. Now, this is the thing. God designed marriage to make you happy, joyful, and to bless you. But first, it's got to kill you. Well, it's trying to kill me. Then go on ahead and die so you can experience what God intended you to experience. See, God wants you to die to yourself. And and let me put it to you this way. Instead of the me attitude, it's got to be the we attitude. And in order for the we attitude to exist, the me has to die. See, marriage is designed to make us better, not bitter. Marriage is designed to help you get rid of that selflessness that's inside each and every one of us. Come on, how many of us got into this marriage more selfish than we thought? Am am I the only one that that can openly admit that? See, we're, we're selfish in little ways, and marriage reminds us every day how to die to ourselves. Because someone said to me, Pastor, I died to myself once. I said, man, that's too bad. you got to die to yourself every day. Amen? Come on, how many of you died to yourself once only to realize you needed to die the next day too? Then you just started getting good at dying once a day, and you realized I need to die every lunchtime too. And then I got to die in the morning time. And I got to die. You see, Jesus said moment by moment, you have to learn to die. And nothing reminds you of that better than a marriage. Let me put it to you this way. Pastor Melissa has a great way of reminding me to die to myself. This is how it works. We're laying down. We're tired. We have a long day. I've been Jesus all day long. I've been washing feet. I've been cleaning the house. I've been doing everything. You know how it goes, guys. And I mean, I've been really slaving. And so you lay down and you're like, is there anything else you need, baby? I want to make sure I'm doing everything for you. No, we're good. We lay down. I lay down, hit my head on the pillow. And you know, that's the time where you're just going to relax. And she says, hey, love, I hate to do this. How many of you know that's, that's, hey, you're going to have to die to yourself right now. (laughs) I hate to do this, but did you lock the front door? Anyone ever get asked that question? Am am I the only couple that gets asked that question? Are we the only ones that struggle with this? I'm laying down and she waits till I'm comfortable, relaxed. I'm just starting to doze off. Hey, babe, I hate to do this. I'm like, no, you don't. You do it all the time. You don't hate to do it. This is why God put you in my life, to torture me. I mean, to help me become better. And then I said, you know, I'm, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I locked it. I'm the Houston kid. If you grew up in Houston, guess what? You locked your doors. I locked my doors. Don't worry. It's, it's locked. I got my gun. I got my shotgun. I got my AR. I got everything I need. I'm, I'm good. We're good. Are you sure? Oh, man. Yeah, I locked it. Baby, you're not lying to me, are you? Define lying. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? And in that moment, I have to decide to either... Go fly off the handle. You always do this. How can you wait till I'm in bed? Why don't you go check it? Why don't you do what? I'm sick and tired of the. Instead, I say, you know what, Lord, thank you for giving me a wife to be caring over, to protect my household. At least I have a household to be protective over. You know what, baby? Let me go check it. And now I make sure I check it. And as I'm coming into the bedroom, I said, doors are locked. So when I lay down, then she goes, do you remember if we turned the candle off? When you say we, do you mean me? (laughs) 
because I don't turn on candles. Come on now, guys, anyone in the room, don't turn on. I don't turn on candles. I, I would throw them all out if it was up to me. And God says, remember, it's we. Oh, let me go check that, baby. The candles are off. The kids are prayed for. Everything's where it needs to be. Zorro has been put out to potty. Now I'm going to lay down and go to sleep. And I say, Lord, as I sleep, I pray, Lord, my soul to keep. Perfection. God is trying to make you better. Listen to what the Bible says. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. See, but marriage is the difference between isolation and companionship. Companionship makes you better when you become we and trade it for the me. The Bible also talks about don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You know, that's interesting because marriage doesn't let you get away with pretending. With other relationships, you can pretend. Marriage holds your feet to the fire. Someone once said that marriage reveals your problems. Isn't that true? And nothing is revealed more by marriage than your selfishness. Is that a word, selfishnesses? Your many forms of being selfish. That marriage, that companionship, that closeness... That, that coming out of isolation and into that, into that unity will begin to reveal who you are and give you opportunity to work on it. That's what we're talking about. Number five, construction. Construction. Marriage was designed by God and it's important for the construction of the family, the church, society, and a great nation. Listen to what the Bible says. Godliness exalts a nation. In case you don't like that version, righteousness exalts a nation. Well, I don't like that version either. Godliness makes a nation great. Any way you slice it, if you, if you take God seriously, your society will benefit from it. Do you know how it benefits? It benefits from strong marriages. Any society that has weakened marriage, cheapened it, and not taken it as important will eventually suffer. Listen to what the Bible says right here. It says, godliness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to many. But sin is a reproach to many people. But sin is a disgrace to many people. Okay, what does he mean by that? What do you mean it's a disgrace or a reproach to many? It means this. It means not all the marriages have to be bad, but if that nation as a whole denigrates marriage, cheapens marriages, changes marriage, and doesn't take it as important, then everyone suffers. Not just some, all. Can I let that sink in for a second? In case you're wondering and saying, well, 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 that's why the Supreme Court shouldn't be changing marriage for, to include homosexuality. No, no, can I tell you something? It's not just that. That's why no one should be changing marriage to include shacking up, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, any of these things. Why don't we let God be God and we just submit? Let God be God and we submit. 
See, because this is where our society is going. I struggle with this, so you excuse this. Well, I struggle with this, let's excuse that. Let's not be fundamental. Let's not be so, so dogmatic. Let's not be so this or that. Let's be more inclusive. Listen, at the end of the day, there will be a consequence because God will not be mocked. He won't be mocked. So I'm trying to help you. In love, I'm trying to help you. Reflection, number two. I mean, number six. Reflection. What does it mean to reflect? Well, God created marriage to reflect our union with Christ. That's why it's so important. Because we reflect to the world the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. Stay with me real quick on this. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, for husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave his life up for her, making her holy and clean and washed her by the cleansing of his, of, of his word, right? He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love to himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Now watch this. And as scripture says, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. There's that fundamental two laws. You leave and you cleave. We talked about them in another, in another message, so I won't re-preach it. But those are fundamental laws of having a great marriage. If you violate one of those, you will suffer. You have to leave, you have to cleave. But watch, keep going with me. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. All of a sudden, he switches on us and he says, I'm really talking about something even greater than just the relationship on earth. I'm talking about the spiritual relationship between the Son, the King of glory, and the Bride of Christ. We reflect that, and when we reflect it well, we go to number seven and we bring him glory. Glorification. We are meant to glorify God and to show his brilliance, to show his awesome, shining glory on the earth so that others may know him and be a part of our family in heaven. But when we cheapen it, then people say, why do I want to be part of the family in heaven? Y'all get divorced at the same rate we get divorced. There's no difference between Christians and non-Christians. Y'all do the same crazy stuff we do. And can I tell you, that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to use the name of the Lord in vain, and he wants you to take marriage in vain. Uh-oh. Because then there's no testimony. There's no testimony. People are like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I could give it, I could take it or leave it, being a Christian. But God wants us to show there's such a beauty in marriage that people desire what we have. When they look at your marriage, they say, Josh, Jenna, I've been watching your marriage. Talk to me, because I want my, my wife and I to have what y'all have. Anyone ever been asked that? I know I have. I told you that one testimony that knocked my socks off, this little African-American kid. And, and, and I use that because ordinarily I, didn't, I wouldn't expect him to be like attracted to me. 
He's about 14, 15, and he just keeps hanging around me. And I'm like, I've got nothing in common with you. I'm an old dude now. I'm trying to bust out a, a cigar and smoke it on the beach. He just keeps hanging around me, keeps hanging around me, keeps hanging around me. And then he comes in and goes, well, I'm going to be leaving. I said, thank goodness, Lord. There is a God. He goes, I'm going to be leaving, man. It's been good talking to you this week at the beach. You know, my beach time is important. He goes, he pulls out a, 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 a chair, a fold-out chair, and he puts it on. He puts it down. He goes, but before I leave, I thought I'd spend my last evening with you. I'm like... What the heck? He finally says, he finally says, look, I've been watching your family. I've been watching you and your wife. He goes, I want what you have. I want what you have. He came from a broken home. He was there with his uncle. And he goes, I'm watching everybody on the beach, and I've decided I want what you have. Come on, guys. That's what we're called to be. Reflectors of God's awesome glory. That people would say, I want what you have. Teach me how. Talk to me. Share your goodness with me. Man, I shared the Lord with him. And that day, he accepted the Lord on the beach. But you got to be willing to fight for your marriage. Excuse me. Fight for your marriage. There's two things. I'm going to leave you with some tidbits because I've got 10 minutes. I gave you the importance of marriage, but now I'm going to give, leave you with some tidbits that you can take home with you. You know, I, I, I shared this big list with you. Acceptance, joy, connection, companionship, success. And you say, well, how do I, which one of those should I focus on? The top two should be love and respect. Why? Because those are the ones God focuses on. If you get these two right, most of that list will fall into place. What do I mean by that? I mean, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Notice it doesn't say wives, love your husbands. Because a husband has a greater need for respect than he has for love. And as a matter of fact, that's the way he's going to interpret love by respect. A wife has a greater need for love than she does for respect. I'm not saying they don't have a need for both. I'm saying the way they would rather have number one is love. And so most wives make the mistake of going, oh, honey, I love you so much. I love you. And they just hang on his arm and he's like, oh. you know, he's kind of like, especially, you know, loving me in public, thinking nothing of it. That just kind of like, come on, I don't know, man. We're just, oh. but to me, when my wife starts saying, you know, you're such a great husband to me. You're a great father. I so respect the man you are, the way you raise our family and the way you provide for us and care for us and the way God has changed you. Come on, how many of you know marriage is about change? And one of the greatest compliments a, a wife can give her husband is, you're not the same man I married. You're so much better. You're so much better because I notice you've been improving. I notice you've been growing. I notice God has been at work in you. And you know, guys, you say, well, how do I love my wife? Get out there and be Jesus for her. Be patient and kind. When she forgets something and she has to run back in the house to get a jacket, be patient. Come on, how many of you get, you know you're always cold. Why don't you just get your jacket? 
When, she, when you're wanting to click the car door to, to lock it and she's gathering all her stuff. And you're out there holding the door open and you're like, oh man, oh man, oh man. I'll wait for you inside, love. <laughs> Bible says love is patient, love is kind. Oh, I can, I can go on and on and on on how to be patient and kind, guys. But you know what? I will put it to you this way. Just remember who you were when you were first dating. When you were first dating and you made her your priority, you were super patient. What guy in the right mind being married would spend two hours on the phone? I know guys that people call, I mean, their wife calls them up. What do you say most of the time? Yeah, what do you need? Would you ever have said that when you were dating? Can you imagine picking up the phone going, yeah, what do you need? I need a new boyfriend. That's what I need. Right? Instead, you said something like this. Oh, baby, I've been thinking about you all day long. I'm so glad you called. I got so much to talk to you about. I got so much to tell you. You start conversating, conversing. <laughs> Me and my children make fun of that word. Never mind. Now I'm using it. <laughs> conversing. And so instead, now we're like, what do you need? I'm busy. I went, why? Because we get focused on achieving the goal and we think, you know, there's a time in our lives when, man, we, all we wanted was to be married. So we, we got that. We took care of it. But now we're working on our golf game? Are you serious? Now you're working on building somebody else's company or your own company that's not even going to matter in the grand scheme of things if you lose your marriage? See, Take the time. There's different seasons of life. Now, I'm, I've got five minutes, but I want to cover this with you. I want to cover this with you. I didn't play the video. I'm sorry. It just, I tried, Chuck, over and over and over. I just, I just it didn't, didn't make sense. How long is it? Y'all want to see it? It's a cool video. It's a nice video. Go ahead and play it. See what y'all think. You got to learn the differences between your husbands just, and wives. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it. Like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail see, out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. 
Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Try to see things my way. Can I tell you that sometimes this nail thing really does get in our way. And it gets in our way, especially on the top, the top area that, that we need to learn to succeed in. And, and this is part of the tidbits. There's five areas that we need to learn to really succeed in or that tend to cause trouble if you don't figure them out. Um, and they can be reoccurring trouble. It's communication, intimacy, in-laws, parenting, and money. But communication is the very, very top one. That's what they were doing because husbands and wives approach things from such different angles. But do you know that's what God intended for us to be able to help each other? And sometimes, guys, we don't need to be fixers. But can I tell you, ladies, if you have a nail in your head, the guy's going to try to fix it. And, and we're fixers. And so what we've learned is like my wife and I have learned that sometimes I need to just listen to her feelings so I can truly understand. But once she starts to communicate to a point where I've got it, and that doesn't mean a first second or so, it might be 30 minutes, 40 minutes, it might be a series of conversations over weeks. But once I start getting it, then, then she has to learn to trust me and to operate in my giftings because I'm a very logical, very, very straightforward, and, and I boil everything down to one, two, three points. I, I break it down like a sermon. Okay, number one, this is what we got to do. Number two, this is what we got to do. Number three, this is what we got to do. And we'll worry about everything else once we got these done. And how many of you know your husband can bring you great relief when everything's swirling around and you just feel like this achy pressure right here? And he can say, okay, I get it. I understand. But let me help you with this nail you got to trust. And it's about communication. And, and the best way to communicate is to be proactive instead of reactive. Proactive is to have the conversations about the in-laws, about the intimacy issues, about the parenting, about the money beforehand, before it begins a uh, it, it blows up because once it blows up, then you're reacting. And typically when you're in that position of reacting and you're just fighting and just kind of trying to figure it out once it's a big issue, then it can easily slip into radioactive. And radioactive is World War III. Anyone ever had that? Remember I told you I'd pull out the, the, the flamethrower and I'd just start burning the house down because I'm, I'm so upset? And some of these topics have become radioactive for us. And so I'm going to ask you to give each other permission. I want you to identify them. And before you leave today, turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your spouse. Who cares what your neighbor thinks? Turn to your spouse and say... Hey, love, can we have a proactive conversation about this because it's been radioactive in the past? And the way you know that something has been radioactive is it creates a tremendous amount of tension and stress and anxiety the moment it's brought up and you've got to just kind of stay away from it. And sometimes in-laws become outlaws, <laughs> Right? And it's part of that leave and cleave. You've got to pull from what we talked about here today. Leave and cleave means your old, your old family's not your priority anymore. It's you guys that are the priority. Well, we've always done it. Who cares? What are we going to do? Well, my dad will be disappointed. Who cares? That doesn't mean you be disrespectful. It means you honor and say, Dad, I love you. But, but this is our thing. 
I'll give you a good example. My dad can be very forceful, and he used to come into our house unannounced. He would come by unannounced. How much stress does that cause on a Sunday when he shows up and he's at service? Oh, it's none if I say, hey, dad, we're good to see you like I do you guys, and I go home. But what if he wants to come home with me? How much stress does that cause on my wife? Come on, somebody help me. Causes a lot of stress. Man, you know. So I had to have a conversation. Hey, dad, can you please call? Well, we've never done that. I know, but I got, I'm married now. And it would help us. Not it would help Melissa a lot. It would help us. If we had an, a, a little bit of a heads up so that we could be ready for you. Well, you don't have to entertain me. I'm not trying to entertain. I'm just talking about keeping the house picked up. I ain't going to entertain you. <laughs> I started getting a little attitude, you know. And then he comes over and he walks through my house. And I said, hey, dad, you know, another rule. Oh, one of Melissa's rules. No, it's our rule. Is we like you to take your shoes off. Well, I'm not going to take my shoes off. I said, then, dad, you ain't going to be coming to my house. Because you were in the men's restroom and my little girl's crawling on the floor. Oh, I'll take my shoes off. But you have to talk it out. If not, then it becomes this sense, this, this radioactive thing where you're always criticizing my parents and why can't my dad be invited? Your dad shows up all the time and he's always here. And, and what about my family? Why do you treat my family different than you treat your family? You know what? I'm so sick of your mom. Why did I say that? <laughs> Poor Yola, she gets it all the time. No. No, but do you see what I'm saying? Then, then you start throwing, launching grenades when you got to be able to be pro, proactive about these conversations. So I want you to enter in as the worship team comes up. I want you to make some goals for each other and say, you know what? We need to talk about some of the things that have traditionally been causing us problems. And the enemy uses that as a trigger button every single time in our home. We need to be able to talk about it. So I want you to practice. Listen to me real quick. The one-minute rule. For one minute, no judgments, just love, just, just understand where I'm coming from and try to love my idea or love, love my point of view. You know why? Because typically when you're talking about something that's touchy, you're already formulating your argument and you don't even listen to them. Come on, anyone like that? You're already shutting down and you're already coming up with, with, with your own reasons and you're doing all this. But if you take for one minute, for one minute, let me go first and just be on my side. Let's talk about it from the same side. These are just some tidbits. What I want you to learn from this entire message or series is I want you to invest in your marriage. I want you to prioritize it. I want you to take it seriously. I want you to work on it because it's worth it. It's important to God. It should be important for you. And God is for you. You can get better. You will become better. You can change. I've changed. My wife has changed. I'm not the person God first, first saved. I'm different. And you might say, but pastor, I don't have the time. I can't afford the time. I can't afford the money. You can't afford not to. 
I heard a message by Pastor Rick Warren, great, great pastor, ministers to thousands upon thousands of people. And he said he and his wife have had marriage counseling throughout their marriage several times. And every time somebody tells him, I can't afford the time, I can't afford the, the, the money, he says this, when I first started preaching, I was getting $800 a month and marriage counseling was uh, 125, I think, per hour. And they were going two or three times a week. That's half his salary. But he did it because he couldn't afford not to. Marriage is that important. So when, t- when someone says, well, well, I just can't afford the time. I just can't afford it. I, I, he says, you can't afford not to. Listen to my example. Keep investing. Keep working. Keep pressing in. Take advantage of the, of the opportunities that are there. Listen to the message over and over. Pick up a book that I've mentioned. Go out and grab a good reference from somebody else that, that, that is here to disciple you. And And invest in your marriage, but fight for it. Fight for it. Understand that God is for you, that God loves you, that God wants to bless you. Don't give up on it. Don't let it go. Whatever the issue is, come together on it. Don't turn away from each other or on each other. Turn toward each other. Because together you can overcome and the Lord will be there uniting you, I promise. Does anybody need prayer, if you do, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you need prayer, maybe you've been struggling emotionally, you've been struggling with your unity, you've been struggling. I don't know what your struggle is, but I know God does. Father, you see every hand that's raised here. And I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would be compassionate and kind and that you would bring healing, Lord, and strength where it needs That you would bring hope, Lord. That you would bring about that change and make us more like you and less selfish and more selfless, Lord. God, help us to be all that you've called us to be. Lord, draw so near to us, Lord, that we can feel you as you support us and walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great, great week. One more time, church, with all of our hearts.